welcome to VB Engage episode 33. My name is Stuart Rogers and I'm with VentureBeat and as ever, as I have been for the whole entire year and what a pleasure it has been, ladies and gentlemen. I'm joined by my awesome co-host, the author of Digital Sense, the marketing technology genius that is Mr. Travis Wright. Travis, how you doing, man? You know, Stuart, this has been an amazing ride so far, good sir, and it's actually completely amazing since we have reached the final episode of 2016 for us, as we're going to be going on a bit of a holiday break. Thank you so much uh, for being the wonderful co-host of this awesome show here for the past 33 episodes. It's like we've been in a marketing technology car cruising down mobile highway together side by side and we've now reached the, the sunset of 2016 travis this is a beautiful imagery isn't it we've reached our destination with uh with hands and feet inside the car most times which is good at most times and uh there was that one time when we just you know followed what the gps blindly said and drove off a cliff but, you know, apart from that, it's been faultless. But well, we edited that because we have an amazing editor, Evan, who takes care of all of those. So you didn't even hear us driving off the cliff. Good to give Evan a shout out because uh, Evan does all the hard work of uh, taking out all the pops and the clicks and the hisses and the scratches. Um, and that's just Travis trying to reach me through the screen to strangle me. Yeah, I, I think he's got to be sick of our voice by now. Oh, I'd imagine he's absolutely sick of both of our voices, <laughs> uh, even mine. <laughs> Even Stuart's silky smooth English voice. I won't put any extra bass on it today because uh, apparently I've been told that's a weapon of mass destruction. So uh, it's a, it's a definitely a weapon of mass destruction. So <laughs> oh yeah, it's my face that's a weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's, yeah, I that's get, true. I get that true. wrong every time. You I'm so, really sorry. Yeah, you have a, you have a face for radio just like me, which is why we do a podcast. <laughs> so we got a great show today. So being a final episode of the year, and uh, we have Patty Cosgrave, the founder of Web Summit. This is a great interview. We had the opportunity to to chat with him when we were there in Lisbon, and uh, it was great. That the whole team was a big, big fan of the whole Web Summit team. The the conference they put on and all the speakers they had there was amazing. And so we had the opportunity to to chat with him while we were there. And also last week, I mean, last week, the interview that we had was with Alexis Ohanian. And which is funny is every time I say Alexis Ohanian, my Alexa goes off. <laughs> Amazon Echo is like, what? I don't understand. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, you see, that's that's a good reason for having a, a Google Home instead of uh, an Amazon Echo, right? That's true. Why is that? Because... <laughs> <laughs> There's a stunning segue coming up. I mean, if, if you're a listener of BB Engage, you've been listening for a while, you'll know that we don't say anything by mistake here. We, we, we don't line up these segues for no reason. I've got to put the plug in this time, Travis. It's, it's a shameless plug, but VentureBeat News is now available on Google Home. How mm. cool is that? Boom. Good stuff. Yeah, no, it's really, really cool. Um, you know, that's uh, step one of all sorts of very cool things that we've got coming up for uh, 2017 with VentureBeat, um, which brings us nicely on to <laughs> second segue of the day. Actually, we should have been on uh, segways side by side instead of in a car, I think. <laughs> yeah, maybe next year we maybe do the next first ever we drive engage whilst on segways. <laughs> Um, but the uh, yeah the second segue is let's talk about 2017. I mean we you know we've looked at the news this week and frankly we've already talked a lot about how Instagram are copying everybody and how Snapchat uh, are doing some new stuff and all that kind of thing and you know if we do the news this week about what's been happening in the news it's just going to be a repeat of things that we've said before. But of course 
one of the things that happens at the end of any year, and 2016 is no exception, is that everybody comes up with their predictions for what's going to happen in 2017 or, you know, whatever is the year after, right? So we should probably do the same. I mean, if we think about mobile and engagement and community and marketing and MarTech and all of the things that we talk about on VB Engage, what are some of the things that you think are going to be coming up for 2017 that we should be keeping our eye on and getting excited about? The biggest one, I think, is you know Mary Meeker. She's coming out and she talks about the state of the internet and state of where everything's where, where everything's going, where everything's headed, and here's here's where it's been, here's where we are, and that's always a great great report when she releases that. So there's a lot of different things that are that are sort of happening, right? So with mobile and augmented reality, with chatbots, with Martech. Last year there was like 3,800 different Martech companies. Well, then they figured out they cross referenced. Scott Brinker's landscape with Cabinet M's landscape, and they realized they were missing 1,900 companies on that landscape. So that's going to be at least 5,500 marketing technologies that are there. I believe we're also going to start seeing a lot of different consolidations around the MarTech space. There's been some really interesting, you know, acquisitions that's happened this year. We're going to continue to see that. I'm going to step out on sort of the enterprise level of, of MarTech. I believe within the first six months, Oracle or IBM, one of them are going to work to complete and round out their marketing cloud. I don't think they have a complete offering yet. For one, they're both missing a tag management solution. And if you want to deploy things effectively through uh, your marketing technology cloud, you need that. Salesforce doesn't have a tag management system as well. So I could see maybe uh, Telium or Insighton being purchased by one of those companies. Uh, it seems like they're ripe for an, an acquisition. And so what do you think about Let's talk about MarTech first, and we can just kind of go into each individual subject. So what are some of your thoughts um, in the MarTech space? Yeah, no, I think that's uh, that's pretty smart what you said there. Um, you know, Adobe has ruled marketing clouds for such a long time, and they've got the most complete solution of all. And that's not just opinion. We we had the data on that. We did the mm -hmm. report on it. You remember we did probably the most comprehensive marketing cloud study known to woman or man. And it was very, very clear in that that, you know, Adobe have absolutely got it covered. Um, IBM actually had the most disjointed solution of all. And it was kind of interesting from our point of view because they brought in somebody specifically to look after bringing that all together after they read our report. And they mm. told us that. Mm. A VB Insight report had an effect on IBM to the point where they uh, hired somebody to come and glue it all together. And I, I do believe they're going to make some acquisitions this year to, uh, you know, really put their stamp on the marketing cloud space and, uh, you know, hold Adobe to, uh, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, comparison, right? They, they'll uh, they'll get to the point where hopefully they, there'll be some competition there and uh, they can all rise up together. That's what we all like to see is good, healthy competition, right? Mm -hmm. Marketing technology is going to continue to grow at a ridiculous pace, but the number of companies that we're going to care about is going to get smaller. Every single day, you still see a dozen products or more in the marketing technology space get launched. Six months later, most of them don't exist anymore. With the best will in the world, it's just a regular marketplace, right? Less than 5% of the people that launch are going to succeed, and 95% or more are going to uh, go away. Um, it's a shame, but it's a fact of life, and it's no different to when we used to start businesses you know, 20 years ago. It's, it's pretty much the same, right? It's the same in the app marketplace. Uh, 150 to 200 legitimate apps launch every single day. Less than 5% of them are going to make it. It's as simple as that. It's 
basic economics. So we're going to care about fewer, and we're going to care about fewer solutions because there's going to be more consolidation in 2017. I, I predict that we're going to see more of the big companies buying the really good, winning, smaller companies, um, incorporating them into their solutions um, so that from an enterprise perspective, the Fortune 500 are going to be well served. What I think is going to be interesting in 2017 from a MarTech standpoint is uh, there are going to be some reasonable winners in the small to medium enterprise space. And those winners are going to be the ones that figure out how to deliver the right kind of power for small to medium enterprises, but with ridiculously easy to use interfaces. You know, when you go on to product hunt and somebody says, oh, look, we've just launched the Uber of or mm-hmm. the Airbnb of or the Tinder of, what I expect us to see is the MailChimp of quite a lot in 2017, right? It's the companies that are going to come forward and they're going to have a really simple free plan plus a little, you know, $10 a month kind of thing afterwards, but just make it ridiculously easy for people to get involved um, so that more people use marketing technology. And the solutions that are going to succeed the best uh, are the ones that are mobile first, mobile only in mind, because we know from the data that you know, smartphone is the thing that matters, right? Absolutely. And, and if you look at the funding within the space, uh, if Q3 was any indication, total deals in VC fell 14% from the previous quarter. So, And I think that might have been a little bit of the, the run-up to the election and people were a little uncertain about what was going to happen. What's happened since then, the stock market's gone up about 1,000 points. And so it's really interesting watching the, those VC dollars. I know that you know if you're talking about just all kinds of different investment dollars, you can... One thing that's interesting here in the States is the, which is not necessarily marketing technology, but it's the, the cannabis industry and how that's been so heavily funded. And then now, you know, they think, oh, well, Trump's got a guy in there that may not like that. And so investments are drying up there. And so money's going to keep flowing one way or another. So it's always interesting to sort of watch how it goes. I, in mobile now, if we want to sort of switch over to mobile, you know, it's going to be interesting. Now, we had a great conversation with Robert Scoble, which he's going to be our first episode of 2017, I believe, on, on January 10th. But we talked with him, and he's he has a really interesting thought about mobile and what Apple's going to be doing with their new device and all the different things around AR and VR and, and how the, the iPhone 7S or whatever they're going to call it, probably the iPhone 8, it's going to be clear and they're going to be able to see through it and be augmented. And it's, it's really interesting. It's kind of mind-blowing to hear his thoughts on that. So you're going to want to tune in on that episode. So there's going to be some interesting stuff popping up on that because, I mean, we all have these mobile devices in our pocket. They're getting stronger. They're becoming more powerful. And augmented reality and virtual reality is becoming an important thing that that people are are very interested about. And so these phones are going to become powerful enough to power really solid VR and AR experiences on the fly without actually having to have these big cords and these big cables and big powerful computers. So we're going to start seeing that becoming more more of a reality, more stuff coming out with AR and VR tied with mobile. What, what are some of your thoughts on that there, Mr. Stu? VR is really interesting. Mobile is driving VR from the bottom up, and it's doing so because there have been millions of cardboards shipped. There's been millions of what are called plastic cardboards shipped, uh, which is, you know, the Samsung Gear VR, the LG uh, VR, the Daydream has just started shipping in reasonable numbers. The VR um, you know, box, all of these which things. is what I have, super fancy yeah, VR box. Exactly. Uh, you know, the, 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 the 200 different styles of plastic yeah. cardboard that you can buy on Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and uh, basically when you walk through any airport or a train station at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those are 
making VR interesting for people from the bottom up. And my latest research shows that 67% of consumers either have tried or want to try VR. So it's it's strong, right? Even early in this stage, it's strong. It's also being driven from the top down, which is unusual. You know, the higher quality cabled units that connect to a uh, powerful PC or a PlayStation 4 from the likes of, you know, Facebook's Oculus and HTC and Sony, they're driving VR from the top down. And so there is definitely going to be um, a huge swell of interest in VR. Now, while we get there... There's going to be some other stuff that comes along that uh, makes it really, really interesting for content creators. And content creators and marketers um, are going to have a lot of fun in 2017 because, first of all, we're going to see a whole load of both 360-degree and wide-angle camera systems become available incredibly cheap, like incredibly cheap, incredibly small. Um, we've already seen what happened with Snap Inc. and them bringing out Spectacles this year. Mm-hmm. That offers a really interesting first-person view of someone's world. Now, you know, imagine a really cost-effective, cheap 360-degree camera that you can just walk around with, streaming it live to uh, to Facebook or Twitter or to you know Snapchat or to Instagram with their live. You know, everyone's now got a live streaming system Absolutely. of some description. Yep. Right, but imagine that being 360 degrees, and imagine then people using their mobiles to view in 360 degrees what you're live streaming at that time, and that's going to happen in 2017. It's going to change the way we do content. Marketers need to get on board with this now, like literally right now, and understand the value of immersive 360 degree video because um, it's really going to bring everybody into your story, and it's it's going to be an incredible way to for uh, storytellers to uh, really hit the market. Just look at Snapchat. I mean, just... Yeah. I love the idea of taking these sort of virtual vacations is what I call them, right? It's like, imagine like... Did you the... just say vacation. I did. VR-cation, yeah. Vacation. No. I did. I made that... No. Word. We're going to ban that... I, no. I've got another prediction. We're going to ban that word for 2017. <laughs> no, we're not. Actually, I make another prediction. I'm going to throw it in whenever possible now. No, no, seriously, in the middle of an afternoon, I'm like, you know what? I want to take a vacation and sit on my hammock and look at 360 video from Costa Rican beach or something. You know what I mean? It's- my other prediction for 2017 is we're going to have some very short episodes of VB Engage. <laughs> because Travis I'm is gonna- going to be taking vacations during the episode. <laughs> and every time he says that word, Stuart's going to hang up. <laughs> yeah but th- and then also at concerts you know i mean that's one of the things is that live music you know you can download it we can stream it and a lot of times these you know artists make a lot of their money during these live concerts and when you have live 360 degree video and you can just plop that right at the front of the stage you are there you got a front row seat i mean i would pay twenty dollars you know to have a full 360 video of some of my favorite bands that I can archive and watch whenever I want. I mean, that maybe I don't get the, the front ticket, but you know what? I get to experience the whole thing like I'm there. That would be amazing. And so I think artists are going to have a, a really good time. Musicians are going to have a really good time with uh, with 360 video as well. So much live streaming is, is going to continue to grow. I mean, especially as we move towards 2020 and as 5G starts rolling out, in some of the Asian countries and starts hitting over over in the U.S. I mean, the amount of bandwidth that we're going to have at our fingertips is going to be unprecedented. Yeah, and that ties into something, a conversation I had with Kenny Lauer, who's, I've got to get his, his job title right maybe, but uh, I think he's the head of digital marketing or, or digital experience at uh, Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, one of the things that uh, the NBA the has been doing across the entire NBA, but, you know, specifically Golden State Warriors have got a bit of a, a leap on everybody since they're building a brand new stadium and they can they can build it with technology in mind. Right. VR basketball is a thing now. And you can watch uh, basketball in virtual reality 360 degrees. You know, that opens up such a huge marketplace for Golden State Warriors and for every other NBA team. It's the same for every other sports team. You know, I support uh, Manchester United for, for football, right? Um, and yes, I'm unashamedly calling it football. That other thing that you guys play is called throwball. Football is interesting because, you know, you can get 80,000 people in Old Trafford, but Manchester United has uh, 360 million fans worldwide, right? right. And they just want to be there, right? Mm-hmm. So what better way to be there than maybe an extra, you know, $9 a month subscription to actually be there and watch it in VR and, and 360-degree video, right? Yeah, and Fox, um, Fox Sports actually just released just a couple days ago the Fox Sports VR app. And so they're right. experimenting in a lot of different in a lot of different areas. Put it in the cardboard and watch your sporting event right there. If you have a, a Fox Sports TV, you can log in, boom, you can have access to those uh, those games that are going that are going live. And that's going to be phenomenal. I mean, and then also I want to get, I want to kick back on, on basketball real quick because there's a really interesting company here in Kansas City called Shot Tracker. And Shot Tracker is a wearable technology. I know the CEO. The, I've known the guy for 10 years, and he's just Davion Ross is just a brilliant dude. He's got David Stern, the former commissioner of the NBA, Magic Johnson, right, as investors in this thing. And this basically, it's, there's a chip in the basketball, and each one of the players wear a little uh, something on their shoe, so it tracks where the players are. The ball's being passed. You can literally watch real time and see the stats in real time. So when you combine that kind of technology plus 360 VR, and you're able to watch it and see the stats in real time, you're able. I mean, it's going to become so immersive and so amazing over these next you know couple of years that. Sports ball, as I like to call it, because it's all sports ball. I, I think it's going to become really amazing. It's going to become an experience amongst itself. Yeah, and you know, it's going to have an effect on the event industry, um, without a doubt, uh, which is a great segue. Segue number three, oh. ladies and gentlemen, because we have right now an interview to die for. Um, we are going to have a chat with Mr. Paddy Cosgrave, uh, the man behind... Web Summit, which uh, this year was just so much bigger than I've ever seen before. 53,000 people in Lisbon, in Portugal, with uh, two of us all standing on stage and doing that live episode of PP Engage recently with Alan Scharf and several Amazing. other episodes. That was great. It How was many awesome. million people were in the crowd? 200 million people or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> we had about 1,100 people in front of us uh, for our first episode of VB Engage on stage. And we also got this opportunity to talk with all these amazing people, including Paddy. Uh, how about we uh, roll the tape, Travis? Let's do it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure I'm recording. I believe I am. <laughs> if not, Evan, here we are. We are recording. This is, we are professionals, Patty. Don't so worry. Know that we are supreme <laughs> professionals. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a great treat for us. As always, it's always a treat. And we have today with us the CEO of Web Summit, the founder of Collision and Rise and all these other amazing conferences. He's the founder of Web Summit. Ladies and gentlemen, Patty Cosgrove, how are you doing today? I'm doing absolutely unbelievable. It's day one of Web Summit, and I'm just blown away. It's incredible. It is great. Thank you for having us here. I can't believe it was you here with your 53,000 closest friends. Yeah, yeah. 53,000 of my closest, closest friends. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's awesome to have you here. I went to Web Summit in 2014 back in Dublin. 
Uh, I can't remember exactly. It might have been about ten or 13,000 people back then. Yep. Uh, so you've gone 5x in terms of growth in the space of two years, which is actually quite remarkable. I remember Chris O'Brien wrote a fantastic article about how you're using data science and how you're using marketing technology to help with that growth. That's just like the first part of the story. I thought we'd like update it for yep. you know, two years later. How is it that you're getting such incredible engagement levels, you're reaching so many you know, people, and, and you know, what is really behind that? Tell us all about it. I'm just gonna pass this across to, to Aoife. She is going to, our, she's going to go and rescue one of our wonderful speakers, Tony Conrad. Uh, who's lost in an industrial estate in Lisbon. They're the coolest industrial estates, but being lost in an industrial estate when you're due to speak in 60 minutes is a, probably a nerve-wracking experience. So back to the question about data science. All we're ultimately doing is taking a lot of the approach to connecting people online and doing that offline. So if you think about Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter for the last decade, you switch on Facebook today and you'll get suggested friends. Almost always they'll constantly be suggesting people you should meet and what Facebook are doing is they're using their graph so that's people you're friends with and then all the people that are using Facebook and everything they can tell about them to figure out who are the people on Facebook out of the one point something billion people that you may already know in the real world and once they figure that out they make these suggestions and so Facebook is an online representation of people that you almost certainly already know in our case, for a conference, we're trying to do a little bit of that. So we've built software to help you connect or reconnect with people you almost certainly know. So you connect some of your social graphs, so Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, GitHub, with us. And the more you connect, the more precise our recommendations can become of people that you already know that are here. But at a conference, you're also trying to do something else. You're trying to connect people together who probably have never met in the real world. And that's a very different type of challenge. So we might have a Croatian gaming entrepreneur and we need to figure out mathematically who are the best people, let's say from Silicon Valley, from the gaming sector, from Seattle or Portland that are at Web Summit to connect to this person. And so what we, that manifests itself, and I'm giving a very long answer, in two ways. First, inside our, our apps, our mobile and web apps. So if you open up the mobile app, your recommendations will be different to my recommendations. They're entirely personalized. And the more you use the app and the more you chat to people, the smarter we become. At the same time, there's an unseen way that we get people to meet each other. So you sign up for a pub crawl as more than five or 10,000 people did last night. And you're told, go to this pub at this time, you're in group 127, and your leader will be there with a flag and just follow the leader for the next 90 minutes to two hours. Now the group that we assign you to is not random, it's not done by a human because that, the permutations are into the literally into the billions. It's machine curated using some basic what might be called network statistics. People call those algorithms. Sure they are algorithms but ultimately it's just a lar it's a form of uh, statistics. So we figure out okay, we've got X number of gamers that are all applying to be in a pub crawl together, let's mash them together. And what we've learned from relentlessly surveying is that on those pub calls, we try to ensure that you know somebody in the group already, or two or three people, and then everybody else is a newbie. Knowing somebody, that familiar face, puts you at ease because you're being assigned to a pub crawl on your own, that's a bit nerve-wracking, new city. The same then applies for dinners. So when you attend a dinner, 
first of all, an invitation to a dinner that you might receive, you receive because we've used our, our graph to make recommendations to, let's say, Salesforce, and then Salesforce say, great, here are the 500 invites we'll send. Then you arrive at the dinner and they tell you, you're at the Mark Benioff table. Mark's not here, but we have a very large statue of him that he had commissioned um, <laughs> on the shoulders of Tony Robbins. Right. And, and the people we assigned to the Mark Benioff table is done algorithmically. And we've written about some of the techniques that we use, a kind of a modified uh, form of annealing to figure out exactly also what seat allocation you should get uh, at the table. This isn't a perfect solution, but it's better than complete random and chaos that you find at 20,000, 10,000 person conferences. I, I fundamentally think an event above 100 people, it's really hard for human beings to function in that environment. And that's why we all naturally say, I prefer the intimacy of a small conference because you can connect with people. But guess what? Software is becoming powerful enough that at a conference of 50,000 people, we can find the very people you want to meet. And the probability at a conference of 50,000 people in the tech sector that there are people of value for you to meet is much, much higher. The challenge is finding them, and we're doing a very good job at solving that challenge uh, using essentially maths. Now, a lot of that is once they're here. It's an interesting dilemma because I know there's a lot of event planners out there just minds blown that, oh my God, Patty and the Web Summit have gotten 50,000 people here at this event. Yeah. You know, so he's using algorithms and he's using AI and machine learning that maybe for somebody who's, who has their own conference or is trying to start, is this a software you're going to let them also use for their conferences? And then what kind of advice would you have for someone who's trying to grow their own conference? Yeah, those are two really, really great questions. I mean, it's it's very flattering to say people might have, you know, that their minds might be blown, but actually it's an inevitability that software and statistics, math statistics, will disrupt every industry. We have Bill James is a statistician who I think, you know, ended up with the Red Sox and revolutionized baseball merely by just being the first guy to go, oh, there's some data here. Maybe we should, uh, maybe we should use it. And, 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 and guess what? Moneyball applies to every industry. And the, the airline industry and the hotel industry have been doing it for a longer time. And so this is, in a way, this is like Moneyball for, uh, for conferences. So it's not, other people have done this. So in that sense, we're not inventing anything. We're just applying what already exists to a different uh, industry. In terms of advice for existing conference organizers or people thinking about organizing conferences, there are great philosophies or approaches within software. So when Apple pushes an operating system, an OS update, an iOS update, and you know, suddenly we all bemoan the fact that there's a bug, they push a fix, iOS 10.1.23, and overnight it seamlessly uh, updates. So our approach to running events is we look for every single element that is that we can fix where we find we, we just bug fix relentlessly and every version of web summit is like an entirely new uh, operating system it's just like a different version of the event entirely and we apply that approach to you know everything from what's called wayfinding so our signage system our lanyards that we that we design are intensely there's a huge amount of design thought that goes into them but they're never perfect just like an operating system, the latest kind of Android, I don't know if it's a lollipop or KitKat, I've lost track, uh, whatever it is, that never stands still. They just constantly, engineers, software is never finished. There's no such thing as finished software. It's a, it's a constant 
journey that it's the journey that never ends. Never ending iterations. How has all of this changed um, in the last two years with the fact that we're now in a world where mobile phones, smartphones are no further than three feet away from us, 24 hours uh, a day, seven days a week. Yeah. We have a whole raft of people, like the average is now that you wake up and you start checking your social media within 22 seconds of opening your eyes, right? And that's average. I certainly know that uh, I'm above average. I, I start checking my social media within about five seconds of opening my eyes. So impressive. Or even um, before you open your eyes, your body has always, you're evolving. When, when, we, when we get the augmented reality glasses, I might just start wearing them so that I can just open my eyes in my sleep. You know, what has changed in the last two years in terms of reaching everybody that is now basically a mobile person, right? They're, yeah, they're yeah. not sitting in front of their desktops anymore. You're not having yeah. to hit them maybe on email. Yeah. What are some of the design challenges and some of the approach challenges of reaching people on mobile? Now, I actually think we're not doing half enough. A big project for us after WebSummit, we got a whole new raft of software that we've been testing at some other events, not our events, uh, around Europe over the last uh, two months. We'll start to deploy that, roll that out uh, in uh, early 2017. And that's just recognizing the fact that, look, 90% of the people that visit the web, experience Web Summit for the first time online do it on mobile. And we build for it. We're still, even though the site works perfectly on mobile, we're not thinking about the experience deeply enough. We've got some new mobile apps coming for a pre-attendee experience. And I think that's something that event organizers need to think more and more about. How can you help a pre-attendee feel connected to the community that Web Summit ultimately is before they actually get to Web Summit. So you come to Web Summit, last night on the main stage was one of the most insane things I've ever seen in for a tech conference. It was, to me, it was just bizarre. There were 15,000 people. And then I went out in the streets and there was a sense of kind of euphoria. That's very difficult to convey just using a flat mobile-enabled website. So we're going to try and solve some of those things. And I think I think other conferences are doing a are doing a better job, and uh, we're by no means excelling at it. I mean, I'm usually stuck in front of a computer all day typing. I do about uh, twenty eight thousand words a week, so I get that sense of euphoria whenever I hit the streets as well. Listen, Paddy, uh, we could speak to you for hours on end, but yep. unfortunately, we have run out of time. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for being on VB Engage today. Thank you. What an amazing. Amazing opportunity and experience there was at Web Summit. Thank you so much to Patty Cosgrave and the whole Web Summit team for for having us out there at Web Summit this year in Lisbon. It was it was amazing. That was a great interview. We're going to actually continue the Web Summit interviews starting in back in January. So we're going to take a two week break and uh, we're going to come back on January tenth. Uh, first episode of the year will be with the one and only Robert Scoble, which is amazing interview as well. We talk about the HoloLens and AR, VR, and iPhone and where it's headed and all these other different thoughts on, on insights. And he's got a great book out. Him and Shell Israel wrote a book called The Fourth Transformation, uh, which is out now. And I've read it. It's amazing. He's, he's spot on on a lot of that stuff. So make sure to tune in then, uh, January 10th. And if you missed last week's episode... Another power-packed one, we had Alexis Ohanian, the co-founder of Reddit. That's an amazing one as well. We want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. We've got great, great fans. It's been a, an amazing year. Uh, we've done 33 of these episodes now, which is just really hard to believe. We're, we're rocking and rolling. we got a bunch of amazing interviews in the queue for you guys for next year. I'm glad you guys enjoy it. So if you want to, give us a Christmas gift. We would love a, a subscription or a review <laughs> or a rating. Uh, Mr. Stewart. 
Yeah, and I just wanted to say on this particular episode, a little extra thanks to uh, Jeremy Goldman, uh, because today, on the day when we record this segment, uh, he wrote an article in Inc. magazine and named us as one of his nine podcasts that marketers should be listening to in 2017. So we just wanted to give a, a big thank you and a shout out to Jeremy for including us in that. It was completely unsolicited and it was a really great surprise, a really wonderful surprise for us to wake up to this morning and see uh, on VB Engage podcast, our humble little podcast in Inc. Magazine. Thanks to Jeremy Goldman. So yeah, appreciate it. That's so great. One of the top nine podcasts you should listen to in 2017. What an incredible honor. Actually, they should have been listening in 2016 because we already used all the good guests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we really appreciate it. We're going to take a holiday. I hope you guys have an amazing holiday vacation. Have a, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that good stuff. And so for, for Travis Wright, goodbye. And uh, for Stuart Rogers, uh, since we've just been doing this Web Summit series, Boash Fashtash, it's a general day, Umano Novo Marvdoslo. We'll see you guys next year.